Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 16th, 2010. And this is part three. We're going to be continuing on with our current event and weekly Bible study. This next article is entitled, The Church and Secret Societies, The Hidden Faith of Our Founding Fathers. The Church and Secret... Now, this is a DVD that just came out through Cutting Edge. The Church and Secret Societies is perhaps the first and only documentary to go where no film has ever gone before, into the hidden faith of America's founding fathers. Many founders were involved in secret societies, and yet it is often claimed these men were Christians who were trying to build a Christian nation. But was their faith the true faith of the Bible? And is it possible, as some claim, that the exact opposite is true? Now remember, if we're getting it from the history books, you have to question it. You have to question things that are, you know, and you have these guys on currency and the dollar bills and the, you know, five dollar bills and these are great men of God and all these other things. And you have to think, you know, like on the dollar bill, for instance, you have the, the great seals of the Illuminati on the back of the of the one dollar bill. And you have to think, you know, why would they honor these people? If they were really true, born-again, Bible-believing, on-fire-for-God Christians, why would, they, why would they honor them so much on so many different levels? I believe they only honor their own, uh, the Illuminati in particular. What did the founders believe about the person of Jesus Christ? Were they fighting for Christianity or against it? Moreover, is it possible that the events of the American Revolution have a much darker significance in the pages of Bible prophecy than most church leaders are aware. Charles Thompson was the secretary of the Continental Congress and the man responsible for the final design of the Great Seal of the United States. He was said to be more familiar with the events and the people surrounding the American Revolution than any other man of his era. He spent years documenting the history of the war for independence, knowing many details which have escaped others. Though encouraged to publish his remarkable history, he chose to destroy it. He said, I shall not undeceive future generations. That was a quote. I shall not undeceive, it's a weird word, future generations. In other words, they were deceived, and he's not going to do anything to change that. Who was that? Charles Thompson was Secretary of the Continental Congress. What was Thomas hiding, and how has it affected the Church of America today? In this DVD, you will be looking at the faith of Thomas Paine. I mean, this guy was an absolute total devil. Just look at his quotes. I, I did a brief excerpt on, on him not too long ago. And I mean, <laughs> the faith of Thomas Paine, the man who inspired the American Revolution. And I mean, there's a lot of Christians that'll quote Thomas Paine. And I just find it absolutely unbelievable and unconscionable that anybody would quote that devil. Number two, the faith of Thomas Jefferson, author of the Declaration of Independence. The faith of John Adams, the second president of the United States. The faith of Benjamin Franklin the only man to sign all the founding documents. I mean, that guy was a member of the Hellfire Club. They went to his, they went to his, I just read, saw this again the other day, that they, they went to the house where he had lived, and they found all of these dead, well, skeletons and bodies underneath the house where Benjamin Franklin had lived when he was over there, I believe, in England, when he was doing time at the Hellfire Club. You know, like human sacrifice stuff. The faith of George Washington, known as the father of our country. Now, I've done a whole study on him. And the study that I did, I give you the link here, but to be quite honest, the stuff I found out about him after I did the study was, it was even worse. It was way worse. 
the quotes from his own writing. I don't, I don't let it be my opinion. I'm not trying to tear somebody down. But the quotes from his own writing, the, the Masonic way that he wrote, and, and you know, I'm not making this stuff up, but if you want that Word document, just email me and I'll send it to you. Um, but you can also listen to the teaching I did. But again, the teaching's on the early information, which is pretty much, you know, overwhelming as it is, but the other information, oh, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. My email address is drjohnson, Dr. Johnson, at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M, dot com. Number six, confronting David Barton's fabled view of American history, showing from his own writings the air of his teachings. Number seven, how secret societies have worked to change the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number eight, patriotic Christianity, its role in dominionism in building of the new world order. Number nine, the prophetic implications of the church being used to build the kingdom of Antichrist. Some heavy-duty subjects they're covering here. Chris Pinto, he's the guy that invented the Pinto bean. Oh, no, just kidding. Sorry. Teasy. Chris Pinto produces an outstanding DVD of the same fine quality uh, as the uh, Secret Beginnings of America series, which are also really good, documenting the secret architecture of Washington, D.C., the occult basis for a lot of which, of which this country was formed. You know, we've just only been told one side of the story. That's the problem. We've been told the side that, you know, the history books teach. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody was evil, but there's a lot that we haven't been told. Okay? So this will be available in mid-June. And again, anything that I advertise, I'm not making money off this stuff. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm giving it out there so, you know, you can have, avail yourself to some of these things. You know, it took me years and years and years of research to kind of get to the knowledge level I'm at now. What I'm trying to do with my listeners is catch them up as quickly as possible. And, you know, to be quite honest, now there's more resources for doing that as opposed to 15 years ago. It wasn't as available, a lot of this stuff. I mean, yeah, I found out about Maitreya like 15 years ago, but the information on it was pretty sparse compared to what there is like now, and, and there's a lot of really good DVDs that are out there as well. So, that's something you might want to avail yourself to. Next article that we're going to be looking at is entitled, Pentagon Turns to Brain Implants to Repair Minds. An estimated 10 to 20% of troops coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan are suffering from traumatic brain injuries or TBIs, which affect 1.7 million Americans each year. Now, the Pentagon's rolling out a revolutionary initiative to treat the condition. Brain implants that one researcher likens to replacement parts for damaged gray matter. When someone, when something happens to the brain right now, there's so little that the medical community can do. You know, it's true, I guess, from a medical standpoint, there's a lot of stuff you can do from a uh, whole food, glandular, supplemental, herbal standpoint. I know that for a fact, but again, that they, they can't delve into that because they can't patent it, and it actually could fix the problem. And they don't want to fix the problem. They want to perpetuate the problem because that's how they make money. It's all about reoccurring revenue. That's the whole basis for which the pharmacia, or the pharmaceutical, and the medical systems are set up. Just perpetuate the disease, put a Band-Aid on it. I mean, even, even going like you have a heart, 
heart attack. Oh, you got clogged arteries. We'll go in there put some stints. Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. We'll, we'll put we'll bypass the blockage. We'll do nothing about the block. We'll do nothing about what's causing the blockage. We wouldn't want to do anything like chelation or do like an enzyme called natokinase to actually clean out the arteries. Or, or you know, we wouldn't want to do that. No, 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 no. We want to we want to just kind of keep that status quo. I mean, yeah, we'll scrape out your carotids or something. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Or we'll do angioplasty where we squeeze the fat to the side of your arteries. Or we'll do a stint where we bypass it. But we're not doing anything to fix the core root cause. That's just one thing. Why? That's how they make their money. It's called reoccurring revenue. And then they get you on the drugs to go along with it. That don't fix the problem either. Plavix doesn't fix the problem. Or it keeps your blood a little bit thinner. Yeah, it has all these other horrific side effects. Now they've got Plavix-dependent stints. That if you get a stint put in, you have to take the Plavix because if you don't, you'll die. Because the stint is dependent upon the drug. How sickening is that? Then you're ab- absolutely, totally, uh, you have no choice. Or we'll give you, uh, we'll give you Coumadin, which is originally known as Wayfarer, which is rat poison. And I'm not making this up. It is rat poison. It was originally what they used in rat poison. Keeps your blood nice and thin doesn't do anything to deplaque your arteries. has all kind of horrific side effects. I mean, hey, it's rat poison. It just goes on and on and on. I've done a whole study on pharmacia that you can key in, or pharmacy. Just go up key in Scott Johnson Pharmacy up on YouTube, or uh, Sorcery. That would probably find it there, too. Anyway, um, let's go further. And I mean, now we're dealing with brain implants. Now we're dealing with, like, Mark of the Beast-type technology here. Implants. Well, if these... Ooh, you're telling me you're going to put an implant that's going to affect my brain activity? Going to affect the way I think? You think that might be able to be used maybe in a negative way against the person? I mean, if they can influence your thinking pattern, they can influence you in a positive or a negative way. Then, are you even fully human anymore? I mean, now you're becoming what they call, the transhumanists call post-human. And one of the main things the transhumanist movement wants, and this is one of the main things where they're, we're going to become post-human, we're going to become as gods. Okay? We're not going to be fully human anymore. They want to implement this microchip, this implant technology into people. Because they know that once they have these implants in people, they can absolutely control them. Like a robot. To a certain extent, at least. So, this lady... uh, Krishna Shanoi, Associate Professor of Electrical Engineering and Bioengineering at Stanford University, told uh, this report, Our goal is to understand and then be able to change how a brain responds to trauma. No surprise that the Military Extreme Science Agency, DARPA, which is one of the most corrupt, beyond corrupt factions, and we're going to look at them in a second when we look at Facebook, most corrupt, black, draconian agent uh, factions of our government. The extreme science agency DARPA is behind the project. That, why doesn't that surprise me? Which is called, it's actually it's called REPAIR, which stands for Reorganization and Plasticity to Accelerate Injury Recovery. Yesterday they announced an initial two-year roundup, two-year round of $14.9 million in funding for four institutions led by Stanford and Brown Universities. Now, here's another thing. How, how Gerald Salenti said that the universities are a total racket. Number one, most people that send their kids away to these big universities, 
what are you doing? You're sending them away to the wolves. You're sending them away to these secular, God-hating institutions where the professors are secular and God-hating to have your kid absolutely, totally corrupted for the most part. If it's not by campus life, it's by the teachers themselves. They're not Christian. Well, and then you have this. Now you have organizations like these big, these big uh, colleges like Stanford and Brown teaming up with DARPA. They're all just, it's just part of the problem. It's, it's one of their, the main ways they brainwash people and that they recruit is through these big universities. These universities will collaborate on the BrainShip project. All in all, it'll involve 10 professors and their research teams working in neuroscience, psychiatry, brain modeling, and even semiconductors. I mean, this is straight out of the pit of hell. I mean, it very much relates into the mark of the beast. And um, these, these men are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan absolutely, totally damaged goods. I've talked to some of them. I know they're not getting help. I know a lot of them are very desperate, and I can see how they would probably end up going for something like this. They create the problem, the government does, by what they put these men through. They're forced vaccinated, and you can't question what's in the vaccinations, according to the executive order that Clinton put through. A lot of these people die from the vaccinations. They're exposed to depleted uranium over there, which we're going to talk about in a second. All kind of horrific things, the trauma and everything else, and they come back and they're totally, totally messed up. Now, relating to this subject, Beyond Treason, this DVD, which has been out for a long time, it documents the horrific reality of Gulf War Syndrome. And they go into um, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs issues official report reporting that confirming 73,000 U.S. troops killed in Iraq, the same government agency Reports confirming 1.6 million disabled by the war. Now, this has to do with the brain trauma that we were just in reference to. Now, if you go to www.beyondtreason.com, you can look at the... uh, You might be able to find it up on YouTube. I think you can watch it online, but I'm not 100% sure where it's at. Anyway, there's two... If you order the DVDs, there's there's one DVD that documents it all, and we're, we're talking they're interviewing, like, field surgeons that were there that have come out now are whistleblowers. And then the other side, the other DVD is all documentation of what they're saying. So they're really doing their homework. This goes on to say, what you don't know about the government could kill you. Department of Defense documents obtained through Freedom of Information Act expose the horrific underworld of the disposable army mentality. See, the, the high-level elitists in the Illuminati just view the people in the military as disposable as just throwaway, as they're our little science project we can experiment on. They signed their rights away when they signed up to go into, into the armed services. You have no more rights over your own body. We can inject into you whatever we want to inject into you. We can expose you whatever we want to expose you to. Over and in this confer- You watch this DVD. I've never had anybody come back to me and refute anything in the DVD. How they were exposed to chemical and biological weapons. How the, how the chemical alarms were going off. The biological alarms were going off. And they were told, don't get into your suits. It's a false alarm. So they were being exposed to them as well. In addition, they were, they were being exposed. Uh, one of the things they were being exposed to is uh, they, they shipped over all these diet soft drinks. And they let the diet soft drinks sit out in the sun. And when that happens, the NutraSweet which I know they've just changed the name of NutraSweet to like AminoSweet or something, just so you know, a little heads up. 
and which converts to formaldehyde, and which is what they embalm people with, or formic acid, which is ant sting poison, or wood alcohol, which is totally toxic and, and detrimental to the body. When NutraSweet gets above a certain temperature, that's what it ends up converting into. So these people were drinking this stuff right out of the can. That was also one of one of the other things that messed them up. And then they were being exposed to, to depleted uranium. I've explained that before, but that's what this DVD really gets into. Um, Department of Defense documents obtained through Freedom of Information Act exposed the horrific underworld of the disposable army mentality, and the government funded experiments upon U.S. citizens conducted without their knowledge or consent. They don't have to give them that. Okay? According to that executive order that Clinton signed. Since death-dealing depleted uranium is in the process of killing one million American soldiers and their wives. Why? Because when they come home and they have sexual relations, they're actually passing a lot of that on. And the children many times are either stillborn or deformed. And it's actually killed, process of killing uh, one million American soldiers and their wives and over 50 million Islamic citizens we decided these stories qualified as the lead story in the newsletter. 50 million. It's a saying over there that when they have a child, and particularly in areas where depleted uranium has been used, and this stuff gets atomized into the atmosphere, they don't ask if it's a boy or girl, they ask, is it normal? Because there's so many been horrific deformities of these babies. I mean, you see some of these babies, and they look like something out of a horror movie. Born. Uh, just go up on the internet and key in depleted uranium babies, and oh my word, you'll see it. Not to say every single one of these is, is all 100% accurate, but when you see confirmation after confirmation of this, and you do the research on our government, I mean, it should be no surprise. Um... The truth, as it is now developing, is turning out to be more horrific than we ever dared to believe. And again, I give you the links there. I give you an article you can click into if you want to know more about it. Uh, Really, really, really bad, horrific stuff. But again, it's something that, you know, you could definitely be destroyed for lack of knowledge about. Thinking that, you know, sis boom ba, rah, 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 I'm going to go join the military, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That's about the last place I would ever tell anyone to go into. Uh, particularly the day and times we're living. Have you thought about the privacy? Okay, now we're going to, sorry about that, we're going to be looking at the uh, brief video on Facebook. Uh, I might have played this one other time, I don't know, but it's worth playing again. Intelligent Agency's Espionage Site. So it's very, it's pretty brief, I think it's like five minutes, and four minutes actually. And uh, we'll start that now. Do you have a Facebook? Have you thought about the privacy you put at risk? Facebook allows users to post their favorite music, books, movies, their address, hometown, phone number, email, clubs, jobs, educational history, birth dates, sexual orientation, interests, daily schedules, exactly how they are related to friends, upload pictures of themselves, and even political affiliations. Its privacy policy even goes so far as to state it also collects information about you from other sources, such as newspapers and instant messaging services. This information is gathered regardless of your use of the website. Think that's scary? The Facebook's term of service is state. By posting member content to any part of the website, you automatically grant 
and you have present and warrant that you have the right to grant to Facebook an irrevocable, perpetual, non-exclusive, transferable, fully paid, worldwide license with the right to sub-license to use, copy, perform, display, reformat, translate, excerpt, in whole or in part, and distribute such information and content, and to prepare derivative works of, or incorporate into other works, such information and content, and to grant and authorize sub-licenses of the foregoing. Have you seen the Facebook's Pulse feature? I mean, it's kind of like they own you right off the bat, is what they're basically telling you regarding this. Pulse provides statistical trends among universities down to minute details, such as percentages of females with conservative views, the student body's top ten movies, and percentage of students who have read Catcher in the Rye. The so-called privacy policy goes on to say that they may share your information with third parties, including responsible companies with which they have a relationship. Can you think of any marketing group who would pass up buying such valid yet easily collected statistics such as these and others? So maybe they're using us. But is there more? The first venture capital money totaled at $500,000 came to the Facebook from venture capitalist Peter Thiel, founder and former CEO of PayPal. He also serves on the board of radical conservative group Vanguard PAC. Further funding came in the form of $12.7 million from venture capital firm Excel Partners. Excel's manager, James Breyer, was former chair of the National Venture Capital Association. Breyer served in National Venture Capital Association's board with Gilman Louie, CEO of InQtel, a venture capital firm established by the Central Intelligence Agency in 1999. So again, here we have the CIA again. <laughs> we talked about the CIA related to, oh, you know, Obama, you know, and, th- and this whole thing. We've mentioned them at least two or three times already. And here we have them again, the Central Intelligence Agency, a gathering of one of the most corrupt factions of our government by far, openly, one of the main ways that drugs are actually smuggled into the country. We got into that last week, and they have a integral tie into Facebook as well. This firm works in various aspects of information technology and intelligence, including most notably nurturing data mining technologies. Breyer has also served on the board of BBN Technologies, a research and development firm known for spearheading the ARPANET, or what we know today as the Internet. In October of 2004, Dr. Anita Jones climbed on board BBN, along with Gilman Louie. But what is most interesting is Dr. Jones' experience prior to joining BBN. Jones herself served on the board of directors for InQtel, and was previously the director of defense research and engineering for the U.S. Department of Defense. Her responsibilities included serving as an advisor to the Secretary of Defense and overseeing the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Discuss- uh, that's DARPA, what we just discussed. So, they integral ties into the CIA and DARPA. It doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. It's farther than just the initial appearances. DARPA shot to national fame in 2002 when knowledge of the existence of the Information Awareness Office came to light. The IAO stated its mission was to gather as much information as possible about everyone in a centralized location for easy perusal by the United States government, including, though not limited to, internet activity, credit card purchase history, airline ticket purchases, car rentals, medical records, educational transcripts, driver's licenses, utility bills, tax returns, and any other available data. All of the above raises more questions than answers. Perhaps if the Facebook wishes to stay ethically sane, it should enact the policy What happens in the Facebook stays in the Facebook. Okay, so that's 
that's the report on that. It was short, sweet, to the point. We didn't waste a lot of time there. Um, I totally went off Facebook this week as a result of this, watching this. I think I'd seen it, but, you know, I, I had I needed to see it again. And although I never really put really any kind of personal information up there, I kept it to a, a limit, I don't want my listeners who would go up there and be one of my friends to be to come under uh, to be targeted just because they're my friend and that could be the case you know I don't want to be responsible for that so that was another reason I went off theirs because I, I don't you know I know that's how another way they target if you're somebody's friend and they're in the uh, crosshairs of the government well then you become in the crosshairs here's another thing um, face.com. The company responsible for Facebook applications, PhotoTagger and PhotoFinder, lets you take any photo and quickly identify who is in it and where they are in the photo. The facial recognition is a boon to those tagging photos, and now Face.com is ready to bring similar capabilities to the rest of the Internet. So, again, this goes on to go into further, but with organizations like DARPA and the CIA and, and these types of things, this is one of the ways they could quickly build a database on you. And this is the reason why these things are up on the internet. You know, it's not so you can, from their standpoint, it's not so that you can all social network and everybody can have this. It's really not their reason. Okay, It might be yours, but it's not theirs. It's data mining. And, um, you know, again, do it, pray about it, and, and I just want to present you the information and, uh, you know, Anyway, let's go further. Next article is entitled, Rape is Rampant in Haiti's Earthquake Camps. Uh, this is, again, I, I present this stuff so you can pray about it, um, not just wring your hands about it. When the young woman needed to use the toilet, she went out into the darkened tent camp and was sexually attacked by three men. She says, "I'm." There, this is an interview of a lady that was this happened to. I am so ashamed. We're scared people will find out that we were raped and shun us, said the woman who suffers from abdominal pain and itching, likely from the infection contracted during the attack. The women and children as young as two, already traumatized by the loss of homes and loved ones in the January 12th catastrophe, are now falling victim to rapists in the sprawling tent cities that have become home to hundreds of thousands of people. And with no lighting and no security, there are menacing places after sunset. Sexual assaults are daily occurrences in the biggest camps. Aid workers say, and more, the most attacks go unreported because of the shame, social stigma, and fear of reprisals from attackers. The lack of security even places foreigners in Haiti at greater risk. The U.S. State Department expanded its traveling warning for Haiti on Monday to say the dangers of killings and kidnappings persist. And some kidnapped victims have been killed, shot, sexually assaulted, and are physically abused. This is from CBS reporting this. Now, what I don't understand is that they had all of this after Haiti happened, all of this secular push. Was it? Yeah, granted, there were some Christian organizations, but secular for the most part. And I would include the Red Cross in that. They're just, they're a 501c3, you know, corporate function of faction as far as I'm concerned of the government. You have those big organizations like that. They've all been corrupted you have all of these people begging for money for to send to Haiti. 
You know, they had that thing up on the on the TV that that special they did. It was like one or two hours, and I mean, all this outpouring it was all the most reprobate people you could imagine soliciting money to send to Haiti. Yet I see almost no difference at all in what's going on. Now I'm not saying that there's no difference, but I'm saying that is much. I would guarantee you billions of dollars that were donated to this. It doesn't seem to me like this stuff should be happening. Here's my point is is that Haiti, number one, is notorious for a place that where you send aid or you send money and it doesn't get to them. It is one of the most corrupt governments on the planet. And you also have then now the United States, which is another unbelievably corrupt government. I just believe a lot of people are getting rich off this and not a whole lot of it is actually getting to the people that need it. That's my personal opinion, but I've seen it over and over in regard to Haiti, in regard to African countries. It's notorious. I mean, so this is why it's very important where you're you're putting your money, whether, you know, whatever you're donating money in regard to causes like this. Very, very important that you do the research on these places and, you know, do 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 due diligence uh, to where your money's going. Uh, Anyway, let's go further. Oh, this is horrific, this one. This is entitled, Silly Women in Ministry. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 6-7, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In speaking of these perilous times which shall come in the last days, God takes time to address this particular type of woman. He describes this type of woman as silly, weighed down with sin. Now, remember, I'm not just singling out women here. If the men had any kind of real backbone for the most part in the church, this wouldn't be a problem because they would have their wives would be in proper subjection to their husbands. And I'm not talking about some kind of slave owner. I'm talking about biblical from... That standpoint, the, the husband being the head of the wife and that type of thing. Um, but, so, I've ganged up on men many, many times in the past, okay? So, I'm, I'm not, trust me, I'm not trying to just come down on women. But, this is a particular type that we're dealing with. Um, so, these type of women are silly, weighed down with sin, filled with strange lusts, puffed up with worldly knowledge, lacking understanding of spiritual truths. With all these things to happen at the end of time, can make one wonder why God singles out this group of people. Yet as we view the religious landscape, it becomes more and more apparent why this this is such a critical topic for our time. Now I came out of the charismatic movement, and I will say in particular within the charismatic movement, this is very, very prevalent. Not as prevalent like then I was into the independent fundamental King James Only Baptist. Not as prevalent there, but the women from that standpoint kind of rule from more behind the scenes, okay? It was funny. My pastor would, would get up there and say, well, I'm not, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head or something like that. He always made jokes about stuff like that and, and, and all that stuff. And they, a lot of these preachers make jokes about it. Um, and I'm not to say a woman shouldn't have input into their husband's life, but I'm talking about these are women that actually are, a lot of times they're the ones that control what literally go on in the church. Now, in the charismatic movement, from my observations, it's more overt. It's more, I'm in charge, um, I'm a pastor, I'm this, I'm that. 
Okay, And we're going to look at the biblical qualifications for a pastor in a second. I've done several studies where I've mentioned this. I've done a whole study where I, I have, and I post the link here, what women can do for the Lord. I just try to go by what the Bible says the parameters are. Okay, And um, I give you the link there. This isn't about being chauvinistic or anything like that. Just telling you, this is what the Bible says. If you have a problem with it, take it up with God. Okay, or look look the scriptures up. See if what I'm telling you is true. I give you the PDF. Um, well, I, up on YouTube, you can't have access to the PDF, but I can send you the PDF. Give you all the scriptures. I'm not making this stuff up. Um, let's go further here. Uh, for Monica Denning. Dennington, preaching a mother goddess worship paradigm under the unholy trinity to Juanita Bynum heading up church fraternities and sororities in her ministry. One thing is for sure, God's word still stands sure. Are these are there men perverting God's word and leading people astray? Absolutely. And God addresses these as well in the beginning of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Yet God also spe- pays special attention to what he calls silly women at the same time. The purpose of this video is to understand what God is conveying in the text so that we may heed his warning. Also, something that I think should be emphasized again uh, is when describing these women, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And this is one of the big things I see with these types of women, particularly if they're the head of their own ministry. They're ever learning. Now, a lot of men are this way too, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, we've got this new divine revelation, or this new word, or some new, you know, movement of God. And uh, it doesn't matter if it contradicts the word of God, as long as they believe it's from God. But see, that's why we need to compare to everything to the anvil of truth, which is the word of God. And if it contradicts that, then we need to steer clear of it, get rid of it, expose it, so that other people aren't caught up in this. But it's not really what goes on in these types of movements. Okay, so there's there's music playing in the background of this video, which would make it hard to speak. But uh, I'm going to just read some of the things that are on the video. Women who lack self-control are self-indulgent and are led away into ungodliness is what we're going to be addressing, actually, in the video. And now silly women are not only being led captive, but they're being exalted as anointed leaders teaching damnable her- heresies. Very, very common leading many to the pit of hell. Because that's the bottom line. Okay, now we're going to play a clip from this one. Monica Dennington is teaching revelation knowledge that the Holy Spirit is a woman created by God to be his wife and the mother of Jesus. Now this is a very uh, this is a very common theme. This is the this is actually the root of um, a lot of the very very deep level Mormon teachings. They believe this. A lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit is the mother is the feminine mother goddess factor. So this is just rehashed uh, occultism, paganism. I believe these people are not innocent. I believe most of them at this high a level know exactly what they're doing and have been sent here to infiltrate the churches uh, in order to do this very thing. And this this lady right here, this Monica whatever, I mean, I I really love the the hot pink hair that she has. It's, It's... 
I mean, I feel like it's, it's not your natural color. Is kind of what I want to ask her. But I mean, it's it's um, it's unbelievable. She looks like a witch. I I remember the first video anyone ever sent me of her, and it was men sending me her videos, saying endorsing her, saying, "Hey, you really need to check her out. She's really good." Not even thinking about what is the biblical qualifications for a pastor, deacon, elder, teacher. You know, what are the, you know, is it is it law is it biblical for a woman to be teaching both men and women in this context to be acting in the role of a pastor or a bishop or an elder or an overseer? Is that biblical? We'll be looking at that in a second. But this woman, I can hardly even stand to look at her. She looks just wicked, okay, overtly wicked, and yet men are following her in the droves. I, it's, it's like the Bible says, you know, like with the woman that they describe in Proverbs, like, don't let her eyelids take you. And I mean, she's, I guess some would think she's attractive. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's a, she's pretty, uh, I don't know, kind of scary. But we're going to hear a quote from her right now. And we're going to see what she has to say about this whole subject. Part of what the Lord is revealing to the body of Christ right now through the Seven Spirits of God Seminar and all across the body of Christ is the identity of the Holy Spirit. For most of us, the Holy Spirit has been the unnamed member of what we have seen as the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, You'll notice that the Holy Spirit is the only one without a, a specific gender. The Lord is revealing to us exactly who the Holy Spirit is. God put a distinguishing characteristic in Satan's character. And this distinguishing characteristic it is what is going to show us the difference between the Antichrist and Jesus Christ, okay? And that mark is identified when God says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. So you're going to see this distinguishing characteristic wherever you see the spirit of Satan at work. You will see the enmity for the woman. This is the dividing line that God has chosen. He is saying to you, you are either going to listen to the spirit of wisdom who is a woman. You are either going to bow down and listen to her and obey her words as she teaches you to fear God. You are either going to love her and the fact that God has given her a seat of authority over you or... You are going to rage at her like Satan. And if that's what you choose to do, ladies and gentlemen, if what you have bubbling up inside of you is rage, whenever you see a woman that is in a position of authority that God has given her, that is because you have the mark of the beast in your soul. May the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on her lying tongue. If that isn't the most blasphemous thing I've just about ever heard in my life, I don't know what is. So in other words, for anyone to even go against her, what she's done is preemptively said, notice what she's done, she's preemptively put into place that if you have any kind of spirit of rage toward this heresy, toward this damnable heresy, that you have taken the mark of the beast, you are of your father, the devil, Satan. And yet, we need to bow down and put ourselves in a position of subjection to the woman when the Bible is very clear that that does not happen, that a man is not supposed to bow down and have a woman as his pastor, and this and that, these types of things. It's very clear. Scripture is very clear. And we're going to go over that in a second. But see, all of that is thrown out the door. When you have a witch like this, and I believe she's a witch, I believe she's a an occultist, a closet Satanist, whatever you want to call her. I believe she knows exactly what she's doing. And she's very good at what she does. 
And I can't tell you how many, and it's never been a woman emailing me about her, it's been men endorsing her under, literally under her spell. Now, in order to be under her spell, just understand one thing. You have to totally walk away from what the Word of God clearly mandates and outlines. And again, I'll I'll get into that in part in a second, the biblical qualifications. But she's very good at what she does because she preemptively puts that condition on there that if you oppose her in any way, shape, or form... I've had people do that to me before where they say, well, if you do this, then then it just means this. And it's absolutely 100% purely based on their opinion, not on the Word of God. Not as though she could ever quote any scripture. I mean, you talk about a twisting of scripture. I, will, I mean, I quote that verse all the time. But I would never, even in a million years, in my wildest dreams, think to twist the scripture into the meaning that this witch has twisted it into. So let's go further. So there is a vehement insistence to bow down to the woman because such silly women are out of order and they want, you know, they want this authority. I'm reading off right now, I'm reading off the actual uh, thing. Having rejected the patriarchal authority of God, they seek a veneer of legitimacy for their anointing by perverting God's word. This all starts, as stated at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3, because men have become lovers of their own selves. They've also kind of lost their backbone along the way for the most part. A lot of the men are, in a sense, spiritually gelded. And this is how men are portrayed on um, TV, particularly uh, Hollywood portrays them this way. Um, You know, they're not the spiritual heads of their house. Many times the women have assumed that role. And they're assuming a role by which they shouldn't have to be put into that position. And it's um, it breeds, unfortunately, many times this type of behavior. Not all the time, but many times it will breed this type of behavior. And I'm not talking, again, about, you know, like, w- with my listeners and these types of things. I'm talking about in general in the church. Okay, this is the way it is. Going further... It says, therefore they seek to exalt themselves even at the expense of God's word. They use new revelations and religions and works to yoke people to their own personalities. And again, this is usually as a their personal doctrine. As a means of control to distract their followers from the truth and to mimic a, quote, new birth experience. This is a new moving, a new thing of God. Okay, now granted, again, the women don't have a corner in this market. You guys got like, guys like Benny Hinn and, and Todd Bentley and Creflo Gimme a Dollar and TD Fakes and all those guys. You know, it's the same deal, it's just repackaged. I'm just talking about from this particular perspective. Um, let's go further. This lady, uh, one example is Juanita. Bynum, and she integrates the occult initiations and rituals in her ministry, which includes which includes pledging and being online 
being online, I don't know what that means, crossing over and hazing, a lot of things that you would get into with like college sororities and fraternities. Okay, they got these, they're showing these pictures of Juanita Bynum's warehouse ministry, and they've got, um, it's a primarily, it looks like, black ministry, got all these girls, and there's going to be men, and they're in line, they're all dressed the same way, and they're marching down the street, this very, uh, like a militant type of thing, something like you'd almost expect with, with what you look at with dominionism. Now they got the women, all these little girls and women, they're doing their break dance. They're all dressed the same way. And they're doing some kind of break dance thing in some mall. I mean, they're just acting totally idiotic. And the Bible says that everything should be done in decency and in order. You know, and, and this is a big thing that you see in a lot of the churches. Things are so out of order, so chaotic. God is not the author of confusion. And yet they'll go out and they'll portray themselves to the world in order to attract the world, and they look just like the world, and they act just like the world. Okay? When Jesus, whereas Jesus Christ, when he went out, if, if he went to go see somebody who was a sinner, he would never condone their sin, he would never participate in their sin, but he would go to the sinner, but he wouldn't participate in it. And they're acting worse than the world in many examples, in many instances. Now they got the men doing their whole breakdance thing now. Okay, now they got some woman drinking. They got some woman drinking out of a gallon, looks like a water bottle, or a water jug. And, and then it shows her bending over, and then she just spits it all. She just lets it all go out of her mouth. I don't know if she's throwing it up or what. And then they've got, I, I don't know if it's the same woman praying over some little girl. I mean, this is some really weird, bizarre stuff that's going on in the churches now. And now they're pouring this jug over a girl's head. One girl's over there crying. It looks very, very charismatic to me, but now they're, they're adding stuff into the charismatic movement that's so blasphemous. Some of the stuff I just simply cannot watch. Uh, the holy, they got the one guy that he's doing the holy ghost toke. He acts like he's stoned all the time. It, it, it's, just, it's so blasphemous. It, it's not even something I even want to almost get into because I get so mad, righteous, indignant watching it that I, I have a hard time presenting it to you. But yeah, they're doing some really strange stuff here. <laughs> One girl, she's sitting there in her chair and she looks like a little baby sucking her thumb. I I don't understand what what they're they're doing really. It's kind of incomprehensible. So pose the question, what's going on with this ministry? So the, the video goes on to say, instead of being transformed by the Spirit of God to become women of virtue,
they are actually deformed and have become reflections of their own lust. Deformed spiritually. They've been corrupted. Captivated by the carnal nature. Which is what this really is all about. They are led captive by false doctrines because they are laden with sins and diverse lusts. Now again, I'm not presenting this so that we can go around thinking we're so wonderful and we're so spiritual and we got it all together. Because I know if I got what I deserve, I'd get death and hell. Okay, But it's, again, something that we don't want to fall into. And you might know somebody that's involved in this stuff. Um, so they go on to say, Seeking a gospel of self-indulgence, they reap teachers with itching ears who will cater to rather than confront their sin. The Bible also talks about of whom a man has overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. So, if somebody's out there promising you liberty in Christ, all this other stuff, and saying you can do all this garbage and, and act this, this way, and, and they're actually servants of corruption. While they promise you this liberty, you're being brought into bondage of them. Because the Bible says, of whom a man has overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. These women have not only overcome a lot of other women, they've overcome a lot of men, and they're in bondage. And it's when you become into this bondage, you don't see anymore. Your, your vision is distorted. And this is what happens when you go to these types of churches and sit in these ministries. There is a demonic influence that is blinding you. And if you can't break free, this is a big reason why you're not able to break free. You need to pray and fast and, and, and do what you need to do along those ends to break free from this. Because if you compare it with the Word of God, it doesn't line up at all. It goes on to say, ever learning but spiritually dead. Um, the solely women are puffed up with worldly knowledge, trusting in their own intellect and independence. It's a big thing you see. They're almost like you know, Christian feminists. They have studied the original language. They know church history. Well, some are versed in church doctrine, possess numerous college degrees, and are always seeking the latest word from the Lord, even if it contradicts the word of God. But they're spiritually dead. They're leading people astray. In spite of the continuous learning and study, it's all a work of the flesh. They are never able to come to the knowledge of truth, which transform us into the character of Christ. They remain carnal, running around in lots of religious activity, but devoid of the life of God because there is no true repentance. Okay, so it ends with this verse, a pretty appropriate verse to end it here, uh, which we're in Revelation. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Revelation 2.20-22. So, again, this is what we're dealing with here. Okay, so, sorry I got interrupted there. A friendly census worker just came to our front door and I handed her a two-page document, which I can email to any of you as well, which gives us 
several different questions and also a document to give them. Uh, and I told her, I said, you answer my questions before I answer yours. And there's no real way they can answer these questions because what they're doing is absolutely unconstitutional. Um, but anyway, who knows? Let's go further. Let's look at the biblical qualifications for pastors, bishops, elders, deacons, spiritual overseers. I've read this before. just want to touch on it again because I just touched on this particular subject. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then, and we're going to define what a bishop means. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. One wife. Okay? If a man desire the office. It doesn't say a woman. It says if a man... And then it says, he desireth a good work. Husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruled his own house well, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God. It's not a woman's place to do this, in other words. The man is supposed to do this. And you can call me prejudiced and chauvinistic all day long, but you're going to have to call God, or the word of God, chauvinistic then. Then it says, not a novice, lest he being lifted up, being lifted up of pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. I'd say that's pretty clear to me. Okay? Never does the word of God imply a bishop, which was equivalent with a modern day pastor, and we're going to look at that definition below from a Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, what a bishop means, that he could be a woman. Never does it imply that. It is such a foregone conclusion, the Bible only used this term in the masculine. In other words, it doesn't even say a woman can't do it. It's such a foregone conclusion that it doesn't even bring it up. And and obviously, it only uses the term in masculine. It makes it very clear that the bishop, pastor, elder, deacon, or spiritual overseer is to be, quote, the husband of one wife. Never does the Bible say that these could be the wife of one husband. Noah Webster, 1828, which more accurately defines the words used in the KJV, defines bishop as, quote, an overseer, a spiritual superintendent, a ruler or a dictator, applied to Christ. Um, And then it quotes the Bible verse. That's what's really cool about this dictionary. It actually quotes Bible verses. It says, As ye were sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Okay, meaning Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was also a male. Okay. Uh, The secondary definition in the primitive church... The bishop is a spiritual overseer, an elder, or a presbyter. One who had pastoral care of a church. Now, how many women right now are out there in their own ministries saying God called them to this? Not my God. Not the God of the Bible. Why would he contradict the word of God? And I've seen all these big discourses where they go and they justify why they're doing what they're doing and how they're the exception to the rule. You know what? I'm sorry. From a biblical standpoint, you don't have a leg to stand on. You don't. You're going against the word of God. God didn't call you to do this. You can self-delude yourself. I don't care if an angel of light appeared to you and told you to do these things. The Bible says if Satan can appear as an angel of light, it's no marvel if his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness. 
So I don't care what kind of vision or word of God or voice or whatever. If whatever, and this is man or woman, if whatever you think God's telling you to do contradicts the word of God, God didn't tell you to do it. Because he is not the author of confusion, and he's magnified his word above his name. He's not going to do that. Now, if you want to throw the Bible out the door, which is what most of them have already done, well, hey, yeah, anything goes. Why don't you just start your own little cult? Because that's all these really are. What that lady, that one quote that we heard from that witch, where she said that thing about the whole Holy Spirit being a woman and all that blasphemous stuff, and if you dare argue with a woman that you've taken the mark of the beast, what ranks, but you know, what has she done? She started her own cult. She has a cult following. I tell everybody in this ministry, don't follow me. Flat out, don't follow me. Follow the word of God. Follow Jesus Christ. Father, follow you know the God of the Bible, not me, not Scott Johnson. Man can fail you. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and then maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You're not supposed to trust in man. You're not supposed to make flesh your arm. Why? Because your heart will depart from the Lord. Your heart will deceive you. Particularly if you start following a man or a woman, and you're just putting all your trust in that particular thing. Okay, so anyway, um, then, let's look at 1 Timothy 3, 8-15. through 15. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Very, very similar to what we just saw with the bishop, holding the mystery of faith and a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, and let them use the office of deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave. It's not, must their husbands be great. It's a foregone conclusion in the Bible. And again, well, hey, you can get your, your modern day version that's t- taken all references to gay people out and all references to Jesus Christ out of there, like the inclusive version or whatever, they refer to them as like the one or whatever. And, and you know, you can, I'm sure you can find a Bible in today's day and age which is gender neutral on this. Sure. But again, what's the word of God? Is there 200 different words of God? The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And I believe in the, in the English language, this is, is the best translation that we have by far. Not even anything... None of these other New Age Bible versions, as far as I'm concerned, that's what they are, could compare to the King James Bible. They're, they're, tra- they're translated from a totally different text that translated from corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, by two high-level occultists back in 1881 that had the revised version called Westcott and Hort. And that's what spawned the vast majority of all the modern-day Bible versions we have. It's like apples and oranges from two totally different streams of texts. And uh, we'll be looking at that a little bit in um, probably about 10 or 15 minutes here. So, even so must their wives be grave. Not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. So it even talks about the wives. Now, I hate to say it, but a lot of you know, pastors or deacons, they may be one way, but their wives may be a totally other way. And, and a lot of times, the reality is, is, I would really like to know, like in God's eyes, who is actually really biblically qualified in America to literally be a pastor or a deacon? or an elder, from a biblical standpoint. 
My my old pastor at the one church I went to, he would he would laugh about it. I, he was a, as far as morally upright. I think he was a very morally upright person. But his family, oh my word! I mean, we're talking a mess and a mess from way back. And I'm not going to get any gory details, but just a lot of huge, gigantic headship problems. You know, and, and here here we go with this. Um, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife again. Ruling their children in their own house as well. That by itself. I have seen that over and over and over again. Where they don't fulfill that at all. And I, there's a lot of things that can disqualify you from being a bishop, deacon. They wanted to put me as a deacon in uh, one of the churches that, that I was in. And I said, to be quite honest with you, I'm not biblically qualified. And the one guy backed me up. <laughs> But I told them I wasn't, and they wanted, they were willing to overlook, you know, the fact that I wasn't, I wasn't biblically qualified, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't married, I wasn't the husband of one wife, and, and they were willing to overlook that, and I mean, yeah, I was nice, but now I see how these things happen, and I can remember, it was a temptation for me at that point, because there was a lot of, they, they really, liked me and they wanted me to be in this position of, and I, and I said with all due respect you know I, I'm sorry but I'm not but see they had so many other unqualified deacons in there that I was probably about the least of, of what was going on as far as problems if I would have been a deacon I would have been like the least of, of like the things that would have disqualified of course it's all it's either it's a, it's a black and white issue okay and I don't want to say that my sin was less than theirs. It's just that there was a lot of other stuff going on there that um, it's no wonder why they took that stance. But see, that church is not unique. It goes on all over the United States, all over the world, this stuff goes on. So, you know, uh, that's been an experience I've had. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, if somebody thinks that I'm trying to elevate myself to a certain thing, I don't call myself, I call myself a watchman, you know, um, but I don't call myself a deacon, an elder, a bishop, an overseer, whatever. And then it goes on to say, um, For they have used the office of deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree, and with great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know us how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. How do we behave ourselves in the house of God? I mean, it's hard to even go to a house of God, I think. Literally in God, most of them are just 501c3 corporate entities, which were actually literally got their right to exist through the government and through the IRS. So, you know. Then it goes on to say, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of, of the truth? Titus 1, 5 through 5-9. For this cause left I left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I appointed thee. If any be blameless, and now this is about an elder, the husband of one wife, there we go again, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. So you can see, this isn't something that's easy to qualify for. Particularly in today's day and age. Now, most of the time, whatever veneer that you present to the church, they just accept that at face value. And if your children are unruly or whatever, your wife's not in subjection, eh, that's not even considered anymore. I hate to say that, but it's not. 
I mean, when you got people like gay clergy and lesbians in the pulpit and, and, and stuff like that, and all manner of lukewarmness, I mean, you think that this is even going to be anything they would even remotely consider? They don't care about this stuff. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, meaning filthy lucre money, uh, the whole nine yards there. And uh, Again, you could do a whole ten-part study on that one aspect of it. Most of these ministries are in it for the money, particularly the big ones. They're, they're corporations. And don't tell me they're not for-profit. They are for-profit. All you have to do is watch them, you know, ad after ad after ad, all these different ways they're trying to generate money and stuff like this. Now, I thank God for, for all the people that have donated into this ministry and these types of things, but I'm not out there rarely, rarely, rarely. It has been months and months and months that I've even mentioned anything about God's, you know, God's been very good to me, and, and my listeners have been very good to me, and you know what? I'm not going to go out there and try to seek to build some big, gigantic empire, and I can build a whole bunch of buildings and sell all my materials. I would rather give away whatever I can give away, because the time is short. I've heard it explained like, why do you want to ration bullets in the time of war? Now, I understand, there's some ministries out there, and this and that, and they, they put a lot of hard work into things, and they need to charge for them. I understand that, and I promote a lot of ministries. You saw several that I did today alone. Okay, but I'm just not in a position where I really have to do that, I guess, or want to do that. I just want to get this information out and try as much as I can to live by faith. Try to be an example to you as well, where I don't have to go around and do a lot of this other stuff that you see typically in the 501c3 corporate church. They're for-profit ventures, for the most part. And they're not, they're, they're just... Uh, it's just really sad what's going on in, in the modern day church. So, not given a filthy lucre. He may be, and then it, send, it ends by saying, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good man, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Okay? So, in other words, your testimony matters a lot, how you're portrayed by other people. That's what we have here. A lot of it is, is based on your outward testimony. A lot of the qualifications is based on your outward testimony. And there's not a lot of people that can qualify for, for these positions in today's day and age in America. Um, so, anyway, that's the qualifications there from a biblical standpoint. And you know, they can argue all they want. That's what I stand on. I stand on the Word of God. I'm going to go ahead and end the study here. And we'll go to, actually, I guess the part four next.